Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. We'll also visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll be talking about the separation of banking and uh, government and state. And Jim McTagg, he's a current uh, well, he was currently, he was the former Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of murder mysteries. Uh, follow the leader and shake the money tree. It is January the 31st. Can you believe another month is gone now? And on this day in 1865, the U.S. House of Representatives passed the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, abolishing slavery in America. The amendment read, Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States or in any place subject to their jurisdiction. When the Civil War began, President Abraham Lincoln's professed goal was the restoration of the Union. But early in the war, the Union began keeping escaped slaves, uh, uh, enslaved people, rather than returning them to their owners. So slavery essentially ended whenever the Union Army was victorious. In September 1862, Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing all enslaved people in areas where there was still a rebellion against the Union. This measure opened the issue of what to do about slavery in the border states that had not seceded or in areas that had been captured by the Union before the proclamation. In 1864, an amendment abolishing slavery passed the U.S. Senate but died in the House of Representatives as Democrats rallied the name of states' rights. The election of 1864 brought Lincoln back into the White House along with significant Republican majorities in both houses, so it appeared the amendment was headed for passage when the new Congress convened in early 1865. Lincoln preferred the amendment received bipartisan support. Some Democrats indicated support for the measure, but many still resisted. The amendment passed 119 to 56, just barely above the necessary two-thirds majority. Several Democrats abstained, but the 13th Amendment was sent to the House of the States for ratification. Uh, which became in December 1865, when the passage of the amendment, the institution that indelibly shaped American history was eradicated. On this day in uh, 1865. So interesting. Two years ago, the Cincinnati Bengals were the NFL's worst team, had their worst record. They're headed into the Super Bowl to play the Los Angeles Rams at home at the uh, Rams' home stadium. Matching the biggest comeback in AFC championship game, the Bengals rallied from an 18-point hole to stun Kansas City 27-24 to in overtime on Sunday for the first trip to the big game since 1988. The team that won the only two games in 19... 2016, earning them the top overall draft pick that they used to pick uh, quarterback Joe Burrow from LSU. Rookie uh, Evan Peterson made the 31-yard field goal to win the game. Then the Rams overcame the 10-point deficit at halftime and took the NFC crown with a 20-17 victory over San Francisco. Pretty exciting games, all told, and it's going to be an exciting Super Bowl coming up. How things do change. Unbelievable. Speaking of football, a big report came out from ESPN. The greatest of all time, Tom Brady, is hanging up his cleats after 22 seasons. Well, not so fast. Uh, Brady said afterwards that, uh, hey, that's not true. I never made any announcement. I'm leaving the game. I'm not retiring this way. He may be. Who knows? But the point is, I'm sure he wants to do it in a different way than having ESPN break the news. And speaking of the greatest of all time, Spaniard Rafael Nadal uh, has overcame two sets down to snatch the 2022 Australian Open title from Russian uh, Medvedev in a five-set thriller. 
the five-hour, 24-minute match. I don't know how these guys can keep it up for that amount of time, but they push both players to the limits of their endurance with momentum seesawing back and forth throughout. It was Nadal through sheer determination and a bit of help from the crowd that sealed the win. This comes after both players were being pushed to five sets in their final quarterfinal matches, but otherwise had a convincing run in the berth to the final. Few expected this outcome considering Nadal's 2021 season was cut short due to a foot injury, and he also contracted COVID-19 in December, if you can believe that. This victory means Nadal has broken free of Novak uh, uh, Dojvic and Roger Federer to become the winner of the most grand slams in history with 21 compared to their 20. Pretty amazing. Well, the bids came in fast and high on Saturday at the 22nd Annual Winter Wine Festival, where nearly $23 million was raised for local charities that help area children. And while there are fewer uh, people and fewer items to bid on before COVID-19, organizers were thrilled with the success of the auction, raising this $23 million. And the total amount from the wine festival will increase even more once online auction bids are tallied. That happens at 5 o'clock uh, tomorrow. We're fortunate this should go off very normally, and with everything that was, went the last couple of years, you never know, said Joe Masterson, who is the and his wife are longtime trustees. In January 2020, the live auction squeaked in just before the pandemic and raised over $20 million, with the online auction included the total raised $21.3 million. That's in 2020. Last year, the event was virtual and raised $8 million. Very run well-run organization. This money, you know, it goes to uh, Collier County uh, not-for-profits and for the disadvantaged. And people fly in from all over the world to participate in this auction, and it is a big, big deal. And congratulations. It's unbelievable after 22 years that it's still going strong in this way. And it's run. By the way, the money just isn't just doled out. They actually vet each organization and develop metrics to determine what success will look like when they get the money and how they use it. So uh, certainly well money, well invested by those that participated in the wine auction who are fortunate enough to have the, the coin to do it. Well, NCH Healthcare will resume elective surgeries Monday. That's today because of declining COVID-19 admissions. The hospital system in Cuyahoga County halted elective procedures two weeks ago uh, but uh, because they were seeing COVID-19 steadily on the rise. But patients were impacted by a delayed procedure. If you have been impacted by a delayed seizure, call your physician. Here's the one that can set it up uh, with uh, NCH Healthcare. Anyhow, that's a good sign, isn't it, that you're seeing that hospitalizations uh, are being reduced from COVID, and therefore uh, hospital beds are available to take care of those that have other needs. Well, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his family reportedly fled uh, their home in Ottawa for uh, secret locations of thousands of truckers. When I talk about thir- uh, there's apparently 14 miles of truckers, 14.4 miles of truckers traveling in a freedom convoy to protest vaccine mandates made their way to the capital, to Ottawa. Trudeau's in isolation after being exposed to coronavirus left his home due to security concerns, according to CBC. I learned that I've been exposed to COVID-19. My rapid test result was negative. I'm following auto health rules and isolating for five days. Well, it kind of looks like you're running away, <laughs> quite frankly, Mr. Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau. He tweeted on Thursday. Social media used pointed out that his announcement came several days before the trucker convoy hit Ottawa. So in other words, he probably should be out of isolation by now. Trudeau characterized the convoy as a small fringe minority and said they held unacceptable views in the days leading to Ottawa's Saturday protest. The uh, Parliamentary Protective Service anticipated that more than 10,000 people would be at Ottawa at the protest. Now, this is, mind you, in uh, minus zero-degree weather, the truckers have been traveling in a convoy protesting their country's vaccine mandates for several days. Last October, Trudeau implemented a vaccine mandate for federal workers, and on January the 15th, he instituted a vaccine mandate for all crossing the Canadian border in a move impacting truckers. President Joe Biden implemented a similar mandate on the U.S. border earlier this month. The Canadian Truck Alliance, which is estimated at 12,000 drivers who have not been vaccinated, does not support the truckers' protest. Hmm. 
Uh, it's not just about the vaccines, about stopping the public health mandates altogether, said Dan Bezanet. He's a valley, a flatbed and transportation owner in Nova Scotia. Well, uh, trust Justin Trudeau. I hope you're paying attention. I hope you're paying attention as well, Joe Biden. People don't like the mandates and they're standing up to it. Did you see the uh, Save Trump, Save America Trump rally Saturday evening? We watched it. It was absolutely terrific. The crowd was massive. As far as the eye could see, uh, uh, President Trump announced that it was the largest rally ever in Texas. Yeah, he did promise uh, the crowd in Conroe, Texas, where it was held, that they would take back the White House. Speaking of his at his second Save America rally of 2022, he did not announce he's running for president in 2024, but he took on a defiant tone of reprieve from the Democrat leadership and asked his supporters to get ready to work and get ready to win like never before. This is the year we're going to take back the House, Trump said. We're going to take back the Senate. We're going to take back America. And in 2024, we're going to take back that beautiful, beautiful house that happens to be white. And it's so magnificent and that we all love. We're going to take back the White House, said Trump. Trump promised to fight for more jobs, more fair trade, and more American-made products. He said if he decides to run and if he wins, those currently detained in connection with January 6th and the riot will be treated fairly and could be pardoned, he said. They should be. They've been in jail. How long? All Over a year, many of them, without due process. It's un-American. I'm not saying that those who uh, broke the law or uh, uh, broke windows, and uh, yeah, there's certain people that should be charged, but some of them, this is just a real far reach. It's all political, unfortunately. We'll treat these people from January 6th fairly, Trump stated. We will treat them fairly, and if it requires pardons, we'll give them pardons because they are being treated so unfairly. This happened uh, hasn't happened to all of the other atrocities that took place recently. Nothing like that has happened. Well, and he's, of course, talking about the BLM riots. Trump wrapped up his speech. His tone and his word choice mirrored that of his 2016 presidential elections. We want to talk about greatness for our country because we are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God, Trump said. And altogether, we will make America powerful again and we'll make America wealthy again. We'll make America strong again. We will make America proud again and we will make America safe again. Great rhetoric. It was great to see him again. Not a lot of new information from Trump, but uh, we miss him. I miss him. Uh, I suppose as the doddering old man that's uh, currently uh, supposed to be calling the shots in our country right now, who's not demonstrating or projecting success or strength at all, well, I would certainly personally welcome Trump back to the White House. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you from Naples Magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Higher Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way towards keeping seniors connected in the community 
and with each other. Serving all of Collier County, the Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding resources and services that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers, empowering seniors to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Programs are offered free of charge in a safe, welcoming space and focus on fellowship, enrichment and wellness, continuing education, and meeting basic needs through offerings such as daily hot lunch, health screenings, and counseling services. So whether you're looking for referrals to services or a vibrant place to make friends, enjoy community support, or learn something new, Collier Senior Resources at the Golden Gate Senior Center is your Collier Senior Center. To learn more about programs and services, please visit CollierSeniorResources.org. That's CollierSeniorResources.org. Or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4534. That's 252-3534. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is an author. He's written several books, mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll check it out. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So for these many years, we've been talking about current events, really up to the minute. I always appreciate the the breaking news that you've been bringing us. So uh, let's talk about what's going on right now. It's kind of a quiet time in some ways, in some ways not. Let's start off with Omicron and what's going on across the world. You're in, uh, I should tell our listeners, you're in Tel Aviv right now, which is certainly in the news because of Omicron. Where do we stand? So Omicron obviously has turned out to be incredibly, uh, incredibly contagious. Mm -hmm. So the numbers of people who have it are, are very, very high. In this country, that's extremely, extremely high in terms of percentage-wise. Um, however, the percent that are going to the hospital are much, 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 much lower in other words, than, than the previous waves, obviously. Um, and, of course, almost all the ones that are being hospitalized are people who are not vaccinated. Uh, certainly the deaths are almost, almost, but not completely amongst those. There are also people who are immunocompromised, people getting cancer treatments and those sort of things, who, who Omicron seems to be... A, strong enough, let's put it that way. And, of course, one of the things we have to remember is we talk about the fact that it's not as strong, it's not as, it's not as lethal. But everybody I know who's had it has not exactly, not everybody, but a lot of people have experienced not exactly a pleasant week, shall we say. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, it's worse than the flu, um, but if it doesn't kill you, it's a whole other world. So the question becomes, you know, where do we go from here all over the world? Um, countries are beginning to remove restrictions in different places. Um, Denmark is removing all restrictions. Uh, Great Britain is removing all restrictions. The Dutch are talking about it. Here in Israel, they're talking about removing the, the few restrictions that still exist, and there haven't been very many restrictions. That's part of the reason why the numbers have been so high, is there's been almost no restrictions at all during this whole wave. So there, um, there, there have been, though, I think the, the massive... Uh, percentage, you know, majority, have been vaccinated three times, and I understand they're considering a fourth vaccination in Israel. Okay, so now let's, let's slow down. Okay. So uh, <laughs> the numbers in Israel are not as high as they are. They were originally the highest in the world. Israel moved the fastest in, in, in uh, vaccinating, but it got to a certain number and it stopped, so to speak, mm -hmm. going up, and it's been totally unsuccessful in vaccinating children. Only about 20% of the children are vaccinated. Um, they did the boosters very quickly, and the boosters, the third shot, is what stopped the Delta from being as lethal amongst the older people in this country, because almost everybody, uh, 60 and up, immediately got the booster, and the booster really worked well against the Delta. Um, people, including myself, have gotten the fourth shot, um, people who have been six months from the time they got the third shot. Um, and according to all the statistics so far, it seems to cut your chances of getting the virus by 50% and of, be, and of getting uh, seriously sick by 80%. Uh, 
uh, compared to people who don't get the booster. So you're talking about very, very small numbers by the time you know you figure out how much you, from the regular, for regular everything else. But like I said, um, there's a large percentage of Israelis who have not gotten the original booster, and certainly not the fourth booster. So, um, and um, you know you can see it in the numbers, unfortunately. But the big question is where where does the world go from here? Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's one of the big questions. One thing is that people do do here pretty pretty well is wear wear masks indoors. You don't go into a supermarket or anything else where everybody's not masked. But they're all wearing the old masks. The whole issue of the N95 masks has not taken hold in this country, maybe because it's so expensive. They're, they're pretty expensive here. Um, I bought some in from Amazon, and it works very well. But uh, so, you know, the, but, uh, there are some uh, some underlying issues as well, though. Uh, for example, like uh, natural immunity. Uh, that uh, Natural immunity is not working. That's the whole point. One thing that's very clear from Omicron is that people who were previously... Uh, infected by uh, by COVID are not protected almost at all mm-hmm. from Omicron. That's that's been the statistics here completely, and I think we've seen that now in the United States as well. So the getting COVID does not give you immunity, maybe against the same variant, but it doesn't seem to give you ver- against a different variant. Now some individuals have natural immunity. That that's a whole other story, but we don't know what that is. In other words, some people are just lucky. You know, some we know people who never get a cold, right? Right. Uh, and have never gotten the flu. Uh, so they have natural immunity of some kind or another. Um, but, you know, science has not figured out, you know, who they may be, and there's no test to say, oh, look at me, I have natural immunity. Right, yeah. and and but probably those that don't get the colds and don't get the flu probably uh, don't get the tests either, so... <laughs> right, so so who knows? We don't, we don't, we don't know who the, we don't know who those people are. Um, well, the, the other so, another issue too, Mark, is the the issue of uh, vaccinating children. A lot of there's a lot of people who are very skeptical about. Right, about but, that. No, but, there's, but you know, again, one of the most interesting things about this one, history is written about this uh, this period of time, and we'll wait ten, fifteen years before the real history of this period of time is written. Right, and um, I think it'll be a great question that people try to understand. Um, why people were so hesitant about a vaccine that has now been tested uh, more than any vaccine in history. Uh, you know, something close to 2 billion people have gotten this vaccine at this point, and there have been almost no cases of significant side effects. So, look, we don't know. It's, it's very true. I understand people say, we don't know what's going to happen in 10 years or what's going to happen in 20 years. Right. Uh, but, but, but by and large, if we look at the history of all vaccines, every type of vaccine that's out there, um, there has not been uh, problems down the road. In other words, problems that have come, which, by the way, very, very rare there have been any serious problems in vaccines, but vaccine problems that do have, have occurred have occurred relatively rapidly after the vaccine has been given. And at this point, we're a year plus the, a year plus into the time vaccines have been being given, and they've been given in such tremendous numbers yeah. that I think historians are going to wonder, you know, how did this become even a political issue, right? I uh-huh. mean, what, what is political about this? Yeah. Um, a vaccine developed by a Republican administration, uh, distributed by a Democratic administration, what in the world could possibly be political about such a thing? But we've managed to do that. We've managed to, to pick sides on every issue. Um, if it's blue, if, it, if it's daytime, it must be nighttime. Or well, it might the, be. the other issue is, of course, the censoring that's been going on, both in the social media and in the press. Unfortunately, if it had been open dialogue and a people could have an exchange, a free exchange of ideas, and honest debate about this, I think it'd be a lot. There'd be a lot more trust. I don't know about that because I think one of the problems we have today, and this is this is, goes way beyond the question of vaccines, is once upon a time. You know, 30 years ago, Walter Cronkite, I don't know, Walter Cronkite, 30 years ago, still in the air, I don't even remember at this point. But in the days of the network news broadcasts, in the days of the local papers that were all uh, serious papers and all, you know, in all, all parts of the United States with serious editors and everything else, um, whatever facts were presented, whether it was on television or whether it was on in your local newspaper or Time and Newsweek magazines, or, you know, where, wherever people went to to get their news was vetted and was accurate, mm-hmm. more or less. I mean, obviously people made mistakes, you know, you know, lots of mistakes are always made when you write, when you write 
about both science and history and everything else, but by and large it was vetted and more or less accurate, and people Correct. could look to wherever it might be, Newsweek, Time, Look, I don't you know, New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal, whatever, whatever it was, Walter Cronkite, whoever it was, you could look to them and say, okay, this is the way it is, and I'll accept that. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we have thousands and thousands of, I put quotation mark, experts. Everybody's an expert. Everybody who has a Facebook page can now uh, state his opinion. And guess what? You know, when I state an opinion about history and somebody else states it on a different Facebook page, the fact that my expertise happens to be the server of history has no relevance because two people read it and they can say, oh, look, it's not true because this guy said X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And that's the inherent problem with our society these days is the fact that we we we've lost the issue of expertise and we've lost the way of knowing who is an expert. Well, the other and thing that's happened, Mark, is we've monetized the news business. In other words, I, the, again, the prescient uh, news uh, network uh, movie was so prescient in terms of its prediction of what was going to happen. Right now, it, it's all about clicks. It's all about having some sensational uh, headline that can draw clicks. And uh, the more clicks you draw, the faster you move up the page. And so uh, the consequences, people are selling fear and anger as opposed to uh, the news. Absolutely. There's no question about that. There's no question. Look, I see, I see that as someone who's been writing for Newsweek for seven or eight years, eight, eight years now, nine years, and um, have a new editor, and she wants things that are controversial. I want things that educate. She wants things that are controversial. Yeah. So I created a substack to educate people, and only controversy when it comes up that I put in Newsweek. But yes, people, they want the clicks. They want the anger. They want people to be engaged. Engagement is what counts. But then, of course, that's part of the Facebook problem. Uh-huh. They've designed algorithms to make sure you stay engaged. Well, how do you stay engaged? You stay engaged by hearing outrageous things. Oh, my goodness, I must do something about that type of situation. But I still suggest, Mark, that uh, you're absolutely right, and I uh, totally agree with you. Those are the the symptoms and the causes that's creating the situation. But still, don't we deserve honest debate about these just critical life-and-death situations and and issues? We we do deserve honest debate amongst a group of experts. Bring me a bunch of epi- epidemiologists and let them debate it, if the people have different views on whether it's masks or vaccines. Bring me a group of experts in a field, and I'm more than happy to let them debate it, and they should each give their opinion, etc. But don't bring me an epidemiologist on one side and a political commentator on the other. To All right, so, so Mark, uh, Ron Johnson just uh, held a uh, uh, panel, let's call it, on uh, COVID-19, and he invited, actually invited Dr. Fauci and all the others that uh, on one side, and then there was about 30 uh, professionals and doctors, uh, nurses, uh, patients uh, who came in to testify at this thing. Uh, you know, it was hard to even find any news outlets that would cover this thing. It was just amazing, and the great well, information... Ron Johnson is just known to be a, wha- a quack at this point in the, in the world of news, let me put it that way. <laughs> very hard to take him very seriously. Oh, really my goodness. Well, see, that, that, that's... Conspiracy theories. See, that's evidence right now of what I'm talking about, because uh, clearly, I mean, I, I guess I, I understand you've got news sources, probably different the ones that I see, but I actually watched, I watched the entire panel for five hours and it was extremely educational it was extremely uh informative and uh, these were not quacks these were uh, really smart people and and ron Don johnson whatever you think about him he did a nice job of moderating the panel right so i guess i guess uh, again uh, we certainly probably have different points of view about uh, this whole omicron uh, or, or the uh, virus itself and its uh, s- symptoms and, and how people should treat it. But irrespective, I mean, we are we are really struggling with getting the truth. Uh, the federal government is right now, quite frankly, just untrustworthy in terms of its news, uh, uh, in terms of its information that it's providing. It's very sad indeed. Hey, listen, I want to get your opinion about the truckers uh, going through Canada, starting out and... Uh, Again, you know, I, I, I find it interesting that, you know, what are they? What exactly are they demonstrating when everything is said and done? Remember one thing that I don't really get about all the dem- the real anger about, let's say, vaccine mandates. I assume that's what I mean. That's what, what that's what they're demonstrating against is the vaccine mandate. You have, you have two options: a vaccine mandate or get tested once a week. I mean, in almost all the cases. So I'm not sure I understand what's the problem with getting tested once a week, right? 
I understand you don't want to take the vaccine. It's perfectly legitimate. You're making your own decision, your body, etc. I think it's not the right decision, but that's yeah. up, to, you know, up to the individual. But if you're not taking the vaccine, is it not unreasonable to say if you're working somewhere that at least once a week you have to get tested? Okay, so you're riding in a truck cab 24 hours a day. I don't understand why you have to cross the border. You have to get vaccinated. That makes no sense whatsoever. Again, back to allowing individuals to make their own decisions about their own health. You know, if it's uh, you can make the case for so doctors. Part of, the, part of the problem is a little bit. Of, a little of this is a little bit outdated. And this I agree, because Omicron, because the vaccination, while providing um, pretty good protection against uh, death and uh, serious hospitalization, it seems to provide almost no uh, no protection against um, against uh, infection. So at this point, if we're dealing with Omicron, then it really doesn't make a big difference at right. this point in terms of spreading it. Um, again, we don't know what's going to be next 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 year, and that's one of the things that concerns me is that. Two things concern me. One is I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to jump in the conspiracy side for two seconds. Okay. Because I have one great concern, and that, that's China. And my concern is why is China pushing COVID zero so COVID zero so strongly? Yep. In other words, they've been working really hard to try to make sure they they whatever the economic costs, they're going to make sure that there's no COVID in their country. Right. What do they know we don't? Exactly. That's what scares me. Exactly. That, I- that that scares me, and that's what gives me pause. And I get I'm, what I'm really concerned about is long COVID. Yeah. I don't understand it. We don't know what what it means, and that that's why I'm not willing to, you know, so to speak, write this off as we don't have to worry. It's just the flu. Uh, if the I, Chinese, where it origin or originated, are so scared, then then we should still keep a, a level of fear in our in our actions well so i'm so happy you brought up china because you know i'm very curious on your point of view right now about the the, the olympics coming up omicron as well as uh, right now just read this morning that china is cutting its lending rates of all things we're, we're actually increasing ours they're cutting theirs i think it's probably to deal with this uh, crisis they're having in real estate right absolutely they're lowering the rates because they need their Real estate companies are on the verge of collapse, and they certainly don't want their real estate companies to collapse because that could bring down other parts of the Chinese economy. Also, their birth rate has dropped for the fifth straight year. Hmm. So, despite their efforts to increase their birth rate, which you know they're trying to compensate for one child that that basically is basically has said that China is going to be going into a tailspin economically over the over the next twenty years. Um, Unless they replace everyone's robots, we can leave that part aside for two seconds and the implications. Yeah. But uh, but the reality is um, they can't af- can't afford for the real estate uh, sector to implode. Um, and um, then we have the Olympics, right? So we got two issues with the Olympics. One, look, um, do we t- participate? Well, we decided to participate. I think it's the right t- decision. I don't think, as much as I think the way they acted, the Uyghurs is a terrible, terrible thing, and we should protest and everything else. If we start um, only attending Olympics with with countries that we agree with their policies, internal and externally, the whole idea of the Olympics will disappear. Right. Um, I think it might have been the right decision to boycott. The, I guess it was the 1980 Moscow Olympics because Moscow had just invaded uh-huh. Afghanistan. It wasn't. The, it was a discreet action that the Soviet Union took, and I think uh, not attending the Olympics there had some sense to it because it was a discreet act and it was a discreet response. But we don't like the we don't like the Chinese um, policies. Well, we don't like the Chinese policies. Let the market. Uh, let the market determine and let the boycotts that exist of companies that do business um, in that province or that are using slave labor or all these other potential things, um, that'll end it more than anything else, in my opinion. Yeah, and let the athletes decide, too, for crying out loud. I mean, if I were... Absolutely. No no athlete's not going to come. I mean, listen, they they spent years preparing for this moment, right? Yeah. Uh, So they're not going to not come. Hey, listen, Mark, I... They're having their problems... Yeah, I, I hate to change topics here, but we're running out of time. And again, I do want to get your thoughts about the Ukraine and what's happening with NATO right now. Okay, so look, Ukraine is a, is a 
uh, crisis created by Vladimir Putin. Um, he 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 created the crisis, and uh, the question is: Is he going to come down from this tree, or is he not going to come down from this tree? It's had the opposite effect of what he wanted, because if anything, the crisis has strengthened NATO, strengthened the resolve of the countries of NATO and countries like Sweden, which have been um, independent all these years and not part of NATO, have suddenly said they, the people at least want to join NATO. Um, people are afraid of Russia. There's no question about it. Um, whether NATO should have ceased to exist when the Soviet Union fell apart, that's an historic question, but the reality is Russia was invited to join, basically, and they decided to be the counterweight. And under Putin, they've become very, very dangerous. Yeah. Um, so... But the other, the other thing that's, that's curious to me is the uh, uh, president of, uh, of Ukraine has basically said, hey, there's nothing going on here. Lighten up. I mean, <laughs> to the president of the United States, he's saying that we've got well, this resolved. We had a, a meeting in well, Paris. No, 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 no. He's not saying we have it resolved in any which way. He's not resolved, but there's, 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 there's nothing. more help. But he's saying that, you know, it's not about to happen. There's not about to be a war tomorrow because he's afraid, you know, it's what's happening in reality. What happens when there's about to be a war? Who's going to lend money for projects in Ukraine? Uh -huh. What banker is going to get involved in, with Ukrainian companies? And you can follow that one all the way through. So he's afraid of his economy tanking in the short run mm -hmm. because of all this talk of war. Um, but while he's saying that, he's asking the U.S. to speed up delivery of arms. So you can look at it either way. Yeah, so but, but uh, wasn't there a, Paris, a meeting in Paris just this past week that uh, apparently, uh, while it was a, a, a vigorous discussion and a debate, they ended up resolving the, to maintain the peace in Ukraine uh, with Russia? No, one's, no, one's, no, one's, no one has come to that conclusion. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, have you, did you no know, are, are you aware of the, the, the meeting in Paris? Yeah, yeah, I'm aware of the meeting in Paris, but they they talked to it off, or they talked about different possibilities, and the Russians said that well, on some peripheral issues it was interesting, ah. and you know Putin may be looking for a way to you know to climb down. We don't know. We just don't know what Putin wants. Hmm. That's the bottom line. And anyone says they know what's going to happen, they must be a good friend of Putin because no one in this world. Uh, has any idea what he what he's eventually going to decide to do? Well, the the and illusion of knowing, decide. Mark, in this world is is uh, is an illusion indeed. Because there's so much going on, we don't have no idea. It's really unbelievable. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher. I, do, I hope you'll visit the very robust website historycentral.com. Historycentral.com. Mark, always appreciate this. was a great discussion. I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up. Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshire Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. 
Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit GulfShorePlayhouse.org. That's GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out, find out more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Really terrific. I hope you check it out, choicesocial.us. <coughs> Excuse me, please. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We're a privately funded foundation headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, but our work is focused uh, all over the country and occasionally abroad. We uh, uh, educate and inspire young people of high school and college age in ideas of private property, free enterprise, entrepreneurship, and personal character. And our website, which uh, is populated every day with new commentary and is full of free videos and courses, is feefee.org. Uh, fee.org, and I will say this, I've been to a couple of national conferences. They are terrific. Uh, if you have a young person in your life, uh, age, uh, high school or college age, introduce them to the Foundation for Economic Education. It can have a positive, life-changing impact for sure. So, Larry, you wrote a piece on the world's oldest republic reveals the secret to peace and prosperity. Such an interesting uh, column. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. Yeah, uh, this is a fascinating place. It's only about 34 square miles, has only about 33,000 people in it. It's completely surrounded by Italy and is landlocked. It does not have a border on any uh, body of water. And it has more cars than people, the only country in the world that can make that claim. It has, in fact, 25% more cars hmm. than people. Its uh, gross domestic product uh, is quite high, just a shade below that of the United States. So it's a wealthy country. And the country to which I refer is San Marino, um, which most Americans probably have heard little or nothing about. I recall... Right growing up, uh, collecting their postage stamps, and uh, at that time, maybe even still today, selling postage stamps uh, was a big uh, revenue raiser for San Marino. That's so interesting indeed. So what makes them so special? What, uh, how have, they, what have they done? How have they operated or in order to maintain their peace and prosperity? Well, right from the founding of the uh, independence of San Marino, which was uh, early in the 4th century, 301 A.D., hmm. uh, it's focused on freedom. It was founded in freedom. A Christian uh, stonemason by the name of Marinus, he was actually from across the Adriatic in Croatia, but he was working in Rimini, which is not far from uh, San Marino in modern-day Italy, and he had to flee the persecution of Christians by the Emperor Diocletian. Um, and so he fled to the top of this uh, rock <laughs> called Mount Titan. And uh, that now, of course, is the centerpiece of San Marino. It, the whole country is located on that mountain and the immediate vicinity. And while he was there, hiding uh, uh, in a uh, monastery that he ultimately built, uh, he was given the land by the owner, uh, who was a woman in nearby Remini. And once she gave the land to him, uh, he declared it an independent state, and it has been ever since, except for uh, a few very brief periods when uh, warriors came in and took it over, but then were expelled. 
Hmm, that's so interesting. So, um, and I'm, I imagine that Bonaparte and other people have met, had in, incursions into San Marino, but uh, what is it right now that makes it so interesting and, and uh, free? Well, uh, the uh, head of state is not one person. This is the only country in the world that has two heads of state uh, and patterned after the old Roman Republic of uh, more than 2,000 years ago. Uh, San Marino has these two heads of state, and they are equal in their power, which is limited to begin with. And furthermore, they have incredible term limits. They can only serve uh, for six months, and then there's another election. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's so amazing. they're not there very long to do much mischief. Right. That is just a, a really interesting. And now, uh, it strikes me that Switzerland has uh, uh, the executive branch run by a committee, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, I, I, that does ring a bell, but I'm not an expert on Switzerland, but I wouldn't be surprised. A lot of these small countries around the world uh, are, are quite free and are rated so. Uh, the Freedom House raises uh, rates uh, San Marino as the 12th freest country in the world. Wow, uh, that's amazing. So uh, they're also known for their banking, are they not? Uh, yes, they are. It is a financial center. They have uh, very low tax rates. Uh, the corporate income tax and the personal income tax are both lower than uh, in surrounding Italy and lower than the average of the European Union. So um, uh, that means that San Marino has become quite a center for um, banking and finance and for businesses that want a headquarter. Uh, in a place that's friendly and uh, doesn't tax the life out of them. Uh, so interesting. I, I, before I let you go, I, I do want to get your opinion about this 15% universal tax that they're proposing for corporations. Uh, I would imagine you're not a big fran fan. No, I'm not. And uh, that, it, I know that Bi uh, President Biden and his Treasury Secretary have been pushing this very hard. Uh, a minimum corporate income tax. What that means is it outlaws the competition that might come from countries, especially smaller ones, who feel like, hey, you know, uh, we want to be attractive to business. We have to get their attention, so we're going to have a lower-than-average tax. Well, this is an attempt, this uh, new minimum tax is an attempt by bigger countries like the United States to prevent uh, upstart uh, small government um, or small country competition in lower tax rates. So yeah. it's, it's really bad news. Global cronyism. What do they think of next? Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I do it every day. <laughs> Again, Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Again, I just highly recommend. Visit the website, especially if you have younger people in your life, high school or college age, fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries, Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, 
was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.optimaed.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the very robust website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg. As I mentioned before the break, he's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's now living up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and he's writing novels. His latest two are just two great murder mysteries uh, follow the leader and its sequel shake the money tree jim thank you so much for joining us oh, it's a pleasure you know i've been reading about how cold it was in florida it was so cold that the iguanas were dropping from the trees and that kind of reminds me of uh, what's in store for the u.s economy well we'll and talk we're, about we're that the iguanas. yeah we'll talk about that you know i haven't it's so cold i haven't been outside for two days <laughs> It's <laughs> down in the. It actually, I think this morning it got down to in the 30s in some places in Inner Collier County. So uh, it's cold down here, but I know it's cold up there as well. So let's talk about that, though. Uh, what's what do you see ahead for the economy? Well, well, you know, I pick up the local paper yesterday, and our gas utility uh, wants to raise uh, rates by 10 percent uh, by hmm. the fall. Um, I pick up the Washington Post today, and it says that that rents in in major cities across the country are up 30 to 40 percent. So it gets me thinking about, you know, the Fed was the last uh, person in the room. I use them collectively, the last person in the room to realize that there was inflation, you you know, even though uh, every – person who shops in a grocery store was telling them that inflation was rampant. And now uh, the Fed is trying to um, calm us and say that it can engineer a soft landing mm-hmm. for the economy, which means uh, raising rates without triggering a uh, recession. And I don't buy it. I, I think a recession is in the cards because for the for J-PAL, to um, deliver what he is promising would take a Goldilocks scenario. And, um, you know, you look around the, not only this country but the world, uh, the, the three bears are going to eat Goldilocks. Yeah. Well, the economy is different than the market, but the market's looking awfully jittery right now. I mean, big swings, ups and downs. And it's reminding me of a book that you wrote about high-speed trading. Makes me wonder how much of this is reflecting real jitters on the part of investors and how much of it is uh, high-speed traders that are just amplifying the swings in the market. Well, you got it right both ways. I think the the long-term investors are worried about the outlook for the economy because, you know, Interest rates are a um, component of, of operating costs. So if the Fed raises interest rates, it's going to squeeze the uh, bottom line of, of uh, companies across the country, number one. And, and, and uh, number two, a number of uh, marginal companies will go out of business. Uh, secondly, if you, the Fed raises interest rates and CD rates at the banks begin to uh, look attractive vis-a-vis bond rates or stock returns, a lot of money is going to be coming out of the stock market, which means less liquidity. So so people are frightened, and they're removing money from the markets. And then the high-speed traders, you know, they see the direction, and and they really uh, exaggerate the upside or the downside side because not only do they chase momentum, uh, but because of their trades, they're trading, you know, they're making millions of transactions uh, every five minutes. 
it actually changes the direction of the market up and down. So yeah. that's why you see this uh, crazy volatility. And I'm talking when I talk about crazy volatility, a market that can be down a thousand points at 11 a.m. and end the day at up 200. I'm talking about the Dow Jones just as a uh, uh, as as an example. But irrespective, I mean, those swings are just unimaginable 20 years ago. Uh, they were, they were, because uh, and again, it's the um, the machines are are creating the illusion of volume. You know, yeah. and, and it's uh, you know, it's like uh, you know, if one if one investor was able to do thousands of trades a minute, well, it's only one investor, but it looks like thousands of people. Well, yeah. that's what's happening with these machines. Ah, so interesting. Hey, so for our, our listeners' benefit, maybe just uh, to, again, economy one hundred and one. Why is the Fed, in the face of all that's happening right now, going to increase interest rates at the expense of small businesses? Yeah, that's uh, well because they're trying to reduce the money supply. We've had easy money for years now, mm-hmm. and and so now we have uh, too much money chasing too few goods. The prime example of this is the housing market, where low mortgage rates have created a uh, a buying frenzy, and there isn't enough supply to satisfy all the uh, home shoppers. And so prices have gone through the roof. So, so theoretically, if you raise interest rates and mortgage rates go up, uh, the buying will cool off and then prices will fall to adjust to the higher rates. Well, well you know, the Fed is thinking that will happen across uh, the economy. But I said that's a Goldilocks scenario because it depends on a, a number of factors. Uh, it depends on uh, the uh, the Omicron virus mm-hmm. uh, be- becoming less uh, of a problem for the economy. It depends on s- supply chains uh, catching up with demand, which mm-hmm. I don't see happening. Uh, it depends on on the world the geopolitical situation. Like if Russia invades Ukraine, uh, that disrupts uh, food production throughout the globe since Ukraine is the fourth largest producer of wheat in the world. Uh, it also, you know, we have a, a chip shortage in this country. And, and chips, you just look around your house. Anything with a memory has a chip in it. Um, let's say Russia invades Ukraine. People aren't talking about this yet, but our defense spending will soar, and, and the Pentagon will have a huge demand for computer chips. And I imagine, I haven't seen any articles to support this, but I imagine that the Pentagon would get be first in line for computer chips, which makes it harder for, say, uh, the auto manufacturers to produce new vehicles. Hmm. So uh, uh, just as an aside, I live in uh, East Petersburg, Pennsylvania, which is 10 miles from one of the largest used car uh, auction sites in the world. And when you go by car dealerships here, and I'm, sure, I'm sure it's the same in Naples, Florida, uh, the dealers have no new cars on the lot. All they have are used cars. Yeah. Uh, and, and this reflects uh, the supply chain shortage. Uh, they don't have enough workers because of, uh, they're out sick, and, and they can't get computer chips. So, so you know, it's, it really is a Goldilocks a scenario for the Fed that think they can engineer a soft landing by raising rates. They're talking five times this year. Uh, I just see it plunging us into a recession. And let me add that the Biden's environmental proposal, which passed the House and is in his build uh, a better Biden bill, uh, it's a five hundred billion dollar package. It would remove subsidies from the from the oil industry and shift them to the green energy um what that does immediately is raise pump prices um Mm. and that's inflationary so uh, i'm just uh i just think that in, in advance of the 2024 election we are going to have a recession and the democrats are going to be apoplectic because inflation will already have cost them the midterm, this year's midterm election. And the independence of the Fed, which has always been questionable, will, will really be threatened by an angry Democratic Party because uh, 
you know, you can't win an election if if you're in the middle of a recession. Hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. Jim McTagg, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, just really appreciate your sentiments about uh, what's going to be happening uh, going forward. I must admit, during your discussion, I'm experiencing schadenfreude. <laughs> yeah, in other words, I'm being a little bit uh, pleased by uh, other people's misery, and especially speaking of the Democrats on Capitol Hill. Jim, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Again, two books, uh, Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. Check them out. They're just really great reads. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, thanks. Just call me Dr. Doom. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. All right. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had fun and learned a lot. Uh, I hope you'll tune in tomorrow. We're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And my wife, Linda, will be joining us. Always appreciate her segments on what's going on. Uh, she's really paying attention to what's happening in social media. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.